cross, that's a good place to be. And whether you're a sinner or a saint, near the cross is a good place to be. Open your Bibles this evening to Matthew chapter 12. We're going to continue off where we were this morning. And uh, it's just a thought, don't have much here. Didn't have time to get three points in a poem like most Baptist preachers, but I just got a thought I'd like to share with you this evening. And I'll tell you, it's good to be in church on a Sunday night. Church doesn't change Sunday from Sunday morning to Sunday night. It doesn't change to Wednesday evening. It doesn't change on a missionary or revival meeting on Monday, on Tuesday, on Thursday, on Friday, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I'll be in the midst of them, is what Jesus said. I like to be where God is. I like to be where God's people are. Luke 4 says they came in. They went to God's house where God's people were, opened up God's book, and listened to God speak. I can't do anything. I can't help you, but if, with a little bit of help from God, maybe we can get something tonight, and uh, maybe we can get some help that we need. And old Leonard Fletcher had a song that said, I was born in the fire so the smoke won't do. And I tell you, I've been around some, 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 some top water religion. Hey, man, we used to... Baptists, as you know, fishermen, you know what that is. The bass come up there and make a big splash, make a big scene, and then the water just is still. Firecracker Christians. I want to be those who are on fire for the Lord, love Jesus Christ 24-7, day in, day out, no matter what the situation or circumstance. They may change, but God don't change. I like to be around those people that have a fire and, a, and, and burning within them. Matthew 12 and... Uh, you might, as I read Matthew 12, you might want to try to find uh, Jonah as well. We're going to be going there. might take you a minute after Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. We'll be going there. Matthew 12, 38, it says, Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees, they answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it. But the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at, repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. This morning we talked about a greater than Solomon is here. Tonight we're going to talk about a greater than Jonas is here. This You see in this passage, in this short, short passage, two verses, a couple things happen. You see that the story of Jonah, one of the most debated books of the Bible, Jesus puts his, his finger, he, he gives it validation that the story of Jonah isn't a fairy tale, it isn't a coloring book, it, it, it is a real actual event that happened and God recorded it. And we also see that Jesus, he's greater than Solomon in his reputation and his riches and his reign and his redemption, but I did Solomon this morning, I preached on Solomon before Jonah, because right here, Jonah is a picture of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christ has no reputation among you. You don't care about him. You're dead, trespasses and sins. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can't experience the riches that are in Jesus Christ and salvation that he brings to us. 
without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you won't be able to experience the reign. What a great reign it will be when Jesus finally rules and reigns as he rightfully should. Without the resurrection, everything hinges on the resurrection. And Jesus says, greater than Jonas is here. Heavenly Father, I pray that you use me this evening just for a few moments. Let me say nothing more or nothing less than you would have me say. And Lord, if I can just be a blessing tonight, that's all I ask of you. And Lord, let's make much of Jesus this morning. We're two or three together in your name. There you'll be in the midst of it. And I pray, Lord, you help me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you see here, Jesus is talking about the Ninevites. They were some they were Gentiles. Jonas was a Jew. God sends Jonas to the Gentiles, a Jew to the Gentiles. I know of a Jesus, I know of a Paul that got sent to the Gentiles. And thank God that we know them, because if you're not a Jew in here today, you're just a Gentile, and the Bible calls us just old Gentile dogs. I'm getting scraps off the table, so to speak. And boy, there are plenty portions from Jesus Christ. There are plenty. I'm glad God turned his eyes to the Gentiles. And you'll see that multiple times in this chapter. He starts talking about the Gentiles, talking about the Gentiles. The queen of the south, that's Sheba. She came to see King Solomon. She's a Gentile coming to see the Jewish king. Amen. There's a lot of preach right there. I'm glad that we have access to the throne room through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm glad we can come boldly to the throne of grace. I know when I pray, it's not bouncing off the ceiling. It's not getting stuck in the trees. I don't have to point a rug to a certain direction and hope I got my compass right for it to fall in his lap. Amen. When I pray, the ears of heaven open up and they know what we're praying about. He knows our every need and he knows who we are. But I find it interesting that he says that the sign should be through the prophet Jonas. Why Jonas? I mean, there are plenty of prophets to choose from in the Old Testament. One comes to mind would be Samuel. He was a prophet and a priest. He, 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 he worked mightily in the early days of Israel. Why not, why not Samuel? Why not Nathan, after the, David's sin with Bathsheba, points his finger right down the nose of David and said, Thou art the man. Why not David? I mean, why not Nathan? Why not Elijah, Elisha? Why not Jeremiah, Isaiah, Hosea, uh, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah, Hosea, any of them? Habakkuk, Joel, we got, we got plenty of them. Jonah's in the minor prophet category, not because the message is minor as we see here, but because the book is a little bit smaller. All of them are major prophets. But God looks over there and he picks and chooses a Jonah. He, what, what makes him greater than Jonah? Go over to Jonah. Let's turn over there real quick and we will see. We're going to look over here. And look at some things about Jonas's life. Jonah, I mean Jesus, when it comes to Jonah, was greater in his decision. You know the story in Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Even God calls it a great city multiple times in this book. And cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Joppa's in the center, Nineveh's here, Tarshish is here. Total opposite direction. 
Jonah chose his way, his place, over God's plan and God's purpose. Everyone in this room that's saved and born again, we all have a Nineveh where God wants us to be, and we all have a Tarshish where we may be going. We all have a Nineveh and a Tarshish. And you see that he went in the opposite direction of God's uh, call and where he told him to go. Go to Nineveh and cry against it. He goes to Joppa. He gets a ticket. He goes to Tarshish. Disobedience. Disobedience. And I like how it said pay. He paid the fare. The Bible says sin is pleasure, but sin is pleasure with a price. You're going to pay the, fa- the fare. You choose to walk out tomorrow and you do something against the word of God. God says no to and you say yes to. The wages of sin is death. It, do- it doesn't just apply to the sinner and their salvation. Something dies. We, we, have, we have problems and we have troubles in this world because it is a fallen world. And we have sinners bumping into sinners and the repercussions of sin is, is all around us and it affects our lives. Sin is a problem. James says that you are drawn from your own lusts. The old timers would make excuses for their sin. They would say, well, the devil made me do it. I slipped into sin. Anyone ever heard that? Amen. James says you made the choice. That's, that, that, that doesn't make a lot of friends. But the choice to sin is your choice. And you read all throughout the Bible, the choice to sin will lead to the change to sin. There's nothing good that comes from going to Tarshish, as you'll find out. There's nothing good that comes from going against the word of the Lord and going your own way. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof is death. There's nothing right. Fools will make a mock at sin, but later on that sin will mock that fool. I've known the drunkard throughout my life and friends of the family who laughed at it, had a good time. It'll never get me. In that latter day, that sin and and cirrhosis of the liver, it, it made a mock of them in their later lives. The cancers that have people have chosen to do certain things that will promote these things. Sin will make a mock of them. It is pleasure with a price. It says he goes down. He goes down, 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 down. He goes down to Joppa. He goes down into the ship. He goes down into the belly of the well. I think of Luke 10 where the, good, the, the, the uh, one traveler, he goes down from Jerusalem, I mean, yeah, Jerusalem into Jericho, you go down. You're going away from the presence of God. You cannot go up. It will be down, down, down. And then it says down here, it says in verse 4, Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. It wasn't broken because God held it together. He got a plan for that backslidden Baptist preacher. But it could have been broken. And you know what? There are times when the sin of our life just feels like you cannot go anymore. The pressures are on. Tribulation in the New Testament, it comes from the word that means pressure. Pressure. We are pressured on all sides in this day and age. All angles. All fronts. And I'm telling you, a lot of it's not from running. It's just from God or or being out of the will of God. It's from other people's sin and, and the pressures come upon you. But Jonah, he says that. It says that the ship was to break. And you know the choice of sin? Jonah, Jonah when he ran to Tarshish, and he, he went to Joppa, went to Tarshish, he gets on this ship. He didn't see the storm coming. He didn't see the well that was going to swallow him. Often, the results of sin, 
disobedience to God and God's word are unforeseen circumstances, and often they're magnified to where uh, you can't get your hand upon it. You reap what you sow, and you always reap later than you sow, and you always reap more than you sow. So you got to be careful with sin. But Jonah, when he got into the belly of the whale, now this is good. Jonah 2.1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. And out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou heardest my voice. Underline your Bible, I cried, and under, underline thou heardest. No matter where you are, how far you got away from God, if you're two feet or ten miles and you cry unto God, he can hear you. God loves you. God cares for you. Anybody that's worth their salt that stands behind the pulpit will stand up and wave their hands uh, and say, hey, the bridge is out. Don't go that route. Don't go down that trail. At the, way, the end of it, the wages of sin is death. Don't go down that route. That's the wrong route. You don't need to go. The bridge is out danger ahead throw up the red flag but if you get down there and you get down to the bottom you feel like your ship's broke and you're in the in the belly of the well cry out to God ask him for forgiveness and you cry out to him God will hear you I'm glad he's a God of second chances chapter 3 says it again he said he came to Jonah a second time and as a Christian walking in this world trying to do the best I can, but only being in my flesh and having the help of the Holy Spirit, which is the only way I can do anything worth, worthwhile, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm glad he hears me the first time. That's something to shout, run some pews, tell all your friends about. But when you, you're going to mess up again, and God's not going to shut his door on you. God's going to hear you a second time. And I'm glad he's a God of second chances, and praise God, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, God loves us. God cares for us. He wants you to go the right way. Jonah's decision was to flee from God. And it's easy to see how easy Jesus is greater than Jonah in this aspect. Jesus' decision was to follow God. Jesus, when he was born of a virgin, laid in a manger, he knew the angels had heralded his birth, 100% God, 100% man, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. When the cross of Calvary came and they led him and they bound him and they were leading him to the cross. I think it's interesting. Study the Old Testament. Why did they bind him? Why did Judas and Judas would follow the Pharisees, but the Pharisees would follow Judas, but they wouldn't follow Jesus. And in Gethsemane, they would they would bind Jesus and walk him toward Pilate's hall. Why did they bind him? The Bible says that the the uh, sacrifice was bound to the altar picture and type of Jesus Christ he was a God God made man in the garden man messes up what God made perfect and then God's got to redeem it because man's only finite and he sins against an infinite God God and Jesus looked and it says that he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world when the nails were put into his hands and his feet and the crown of thorns was placed upon his brow. God wasn't biting his fingernails in heaven. He wasn't going to get a new prescription. He didn't get any more gray hairs. It wasn't, it wasn't an ambulance ride to a car wreck. Plan A was being accomplished. God's plan, the operation of God, was being accomplished. Jesus followed 
God. And he, the Bible says that he did all that pleased the Father. I'd just be satisfied in doing some that pleased the Father every now and then. But Jesus did all that pleased the Father. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus. By the way, we're talking about Matthew 12. We don't need signs. We need to look, at, look for that blessed hope. Vance Havner said, we're not looking for sights. We're listening for sounds. I'm still waiting on the trumpet. I hope he comes back now. Don't be worried about driving home in the rain or, the, or whatever's going on out there. You might not have to get in your car again. Jesus could come back. The old timers say, see you here, there, or in the air. Right? We're looking for that blessed hope. And it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew what he was facing as he walked this earth. He knew that cross was coming, but he knew your salvation was on the other side. Jesus cared for you more than he cared for the other. He went to that cross willingly. Not only was Jesus greater in his decision, Jesus was greater in his death. Now, is Jesus going to be buried uh, for three days? And he said he's going to be in the heart of the earth. And he said, likewise, Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days. You would come to the conclusion that Jonah was dead in the belly of the well. You can take that how you want to take it. But Jonah was in the belly of the fish. He cried out. He said, I, in the belly of hell I cried, and thou heardest my voice. He, he was a, it was a place, the place when you run from God in the position that you will find yourself is always a place of loneliness. I don't care who's around you, if God's not with you, you're going to feel lonely. If you don't have the comfort of God on you, you know what, what, what blessed me? The Bible says that God is the God of all comfort. He says, comfort ye with these words. He says that the spirit of comforter, the spirit of comfort will come. That's the comforter, the Holy Ghost of God, one who walks alongside of you. God wants you to be comforted in this day of trials and tribulations. Paul thought it was the last days. We can think it's the last days. Is it really as bad, the worst it's ever been? I don't know if we've just got more access to the things that are bad and we just always see is bad things. I don't know, but I'm preparing to go home to meet my Savior. And I'm telling you, it's good to be saved and born again that this is, as a child of the King, this is the worst we'll ever have it. But if you're lost and never trusted Christ as your Savior, this is the best you're going to have it. It's only going to get worse from here. It was a place of loneliness. It was a place of separation. Jonah's in the belly of the well. He has nowhere to go. He can't get, he has nobody there with him. Old Curtis Hudson would say he slept on a foam blubber mattress. That's his preaching. Amen? It's a, he said he was out of his comfort zone. And I'll tell you, sin will always take you where you don't want to go. It'll take you out of your comfort zone, out of your daily routines, and cause you problems. But that belly of the whale wasn't just an accident. It wasn't just Jonah's undoing. In verse 17 of chapter 1 of Jonah, it says the Lord had prepared a great fish. And chapter 4 and verse 7, God prepared a worm. God prepared a gourd in verse 6 of chapter 4. He, pre he prepared a vehement east wind. God loves you. God cares for you. God's doing something. And your times when, you're, when you start walking away from God, God's still keeping an eye on you. God still cares for you. God still wants you to do the right thing. God's going to put some things in your life. 
God may put something that you think is negative and needs to be put on the prayer sheet, but God, God says, my God, which I'll supply all my needs, and you might need that trial in your situation to quit looking down and start looking up at him. God loves you. God cares for you. He wants to, he's preparing things for Jonah. He's preparing this preacher. He's preparing him. Even though Jonah don't want to go, he's dragging him around. And I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not third cousins to a Calvinist. I don't rub elbows with those who rub elbows with Calvinists. I believe in a whosoever salvation. But I believe God wants everybody saved. That election works like this. God loves you. God cares for you. He elects you to be saved. The devil elects you to be lost. It's your choice to cast a vote which one you want. But God got his hand on each and every one of us. God wants us to do the right thing. But we have a will and we can do whatever we want. And if we choose to go to Tarshish instead of Nineveh, we may be worse than the belly of the whale. We may be in bigger trouble. And it may get us to a place where God will make us pray a little bit more. Have you been praying? Did you take prayer serious this week? Are you going to take prayer serious next week? God may put you in a place where you need to pray. Have you been reading your Bible this week? Have you wanting to draw closer to God? God wants you to, God giving you a book. It's outlawed in a bunch of countries. I still, I still believe in the inspired, not in the original. Inspired, preserved, inerrant, infallible Word of God. I believe we've got it in the King James Version Bible. And I'm telling you right now, God wrote a love letter to us. And he gave us a moral guidebook. And he tells us, don't do this or you're going to end up here. And we just go over there and we run our spiritual truck right off into the ditch. Well, what happened? Have you been in your Bible? Have you been praying? Why is the altars always empty? Why are we not at the altars and calling out to God? When in this day and age, God's going to put you in a place where you'll have to look forward to Him. And look up to Him. To the place that God had prepared for him. Hold your place in Jonah. I don't want you to lose that. We've only got a few more minutes to find it. Go to the book of Philippians real quick. Jesus. Oh my, what an example he gives us. What an example. Philippians chapter 2. Jonah didn't see that well coming. Jonah didn't see that storm God had prepared in front of him. He could have easily sailed calm clear skies, 77 degree weather all the way to Nineveh, but he chose to go the wrong way. Jesus knew death was coming. Jesus knew the cross was coming. Jesus knew that sorrow and shame was coming. Philippians 2, chapter, five, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which is, was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not, not robbery to be equal with God. There was never a time in Jesus' life where he turned into God. There's a false doctrine going around that he went to hell after he died, and that's what he paid for our sins, and he became God at that moment. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Sin was paid for on the cross of Calvary. He went down to paradise. He preached, cap, preached to the captives, and he brought them up to heaven. Those are, that are in hell are still in hell in the center of the earth. But it says, being thought it not robbery to be equal. You can't, you can't rob from yourself, right? So Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Thought it not robbery. There's no robbing your own self. Jesus can't make something he's not made out to be. He is God. But made himself no reputation. Master showed me a sign. He didn't make a reputation. He wasn't David Copperfield out here doing miracles. Everything he did pointed to his father, where he came from. He put off all that glory for just a little time 
and walked this earth. It said he made himself no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Sevenfold humiliation of Jesus Christ. Then you have the sevenfold exaltation, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and, every, and things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to, glory, to the glory of God the Father. First half Jonah, second half Solomon. And let me tell you, every knee shall bow. I used to think of somebody just bowing down on one knee. If, if you got everything that God's given, you got two knees. Every knee that's ever, ever, ever been born on this earth since the dawn of time from Adam all the way to now is going to bow their knees in the presence of Jesus Christ. Some of us willingly, some of us will fall on our face. And amen, that's another part of the Bible. Everyone that ever did uh, uh, bow down and worship Jesus or God, you see, they see the throne room and John would fall on his face. And then Ezekiel or some of the others would fall on their face. Anyone that was projecting their, their uh, praise and worship, man, I said that, didn't I? The, the new churches get it backwards. It's always worship than praise, not praise and worship. You always find out worship means worthy. He's worthy, so you praise him. We don't work up the praise and then think he's worthy. He's always worthy. He's always has been, but you've just got to recognize it and praise him. And you know what? Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. And every knee is going to bow. We're gonna, we're, you're going to see everyone bow before Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that it says he was willing to walk this earth as a man. His own siblings didn't believe that he was, he was Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, until after the resurrection. He was questioned by the religious leaders the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was bruised. The darling son of God walked this earth, never did anything wrong. They plucked his beard. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They said, you're a king. We'll give you a scepter. And they pounded the crown upon his head. And after they scourged his back, the Bible says that they they they, they plowed furrows in his back that you could... That's what gardeners do in their gardens. He says he looks at all of his bones in songs. And he is beaten and he is bruised. And many people say that, that the person who is being scourged would die on the whipping post. But it wasn't. And, and, he got, and he also got accused not by Roman law where there's 40 stripes save one. But he got accused by Roman law where there is no, no, no limitations on the beating they could have given Jesus. The Bible says his face was so marred that he couldn't even tell he was human. And you know what? Jesus knew that that was coming. And Jesus knew when he bowed in Gethsemane, he said, not my will be done, but thine. I don't think he was afraid of the cross. I think he looked forward to it. The Bible says that in Hebrews. He's looking for the joy. He's going to endure the cross. I believe that it hit the Son of God that he was going to have to become sin for us I believe that he hated sin so much and sin was what separated us from him 
that his body groaned in the, body, the, the garden of Gethsemane, all the weight of our sin would be placed upon him. He would be separated. God would pull the shades down in the hottest time of the day for three hours because God cannot look upon sin. Habakkuk 1.13 says, Thou art purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. He said he can't even look upon it. Eternity's past and eternity future. Jesus would be with God the Father and God the Holy Ghost. But for three hours after the cross, on the cross of Calvary, they would be separated because Jesus would have to become sin for us. Jesus was obedient to death. We see his decisions greater. We see his death is greater. It was one of obedience. It wasn't one where God had to force him into a position. And then you see Jesus was greater in his deliverance. Look over here in Jonah. It says that uh, he just got out. He had a great, great message. In uh, chapter 3 and verse 4, And Jonah began to enter the, uh, the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's his, that's his preaching. That was his sermon. That was his, that was his days of study. He said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. And the word of the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him, covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let not them feed or drink water. And he covered, it says the next verse, Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. They all mourned, even the animals. They took the chickens and the hogs and the dogs and put sackcloth on them. Nineveh's going to be overthrown. And it, this is the same thing in our day in life. It says right here that the people of Nineveh believe God. Believing God is what makes the difference in your life. You're going to behave like you believe. You believe God can, God will. You, you, don't, you don't pray, pray, praying is not important. You don't read your Bible, it's not important to you. You say you don't have time. You always have time for what you feel is important in your life. You've got to make the time for it. And he goes out there and he preaches. Nineveh was, they had a God that was a fish God. Now I was studying this a little bit. And uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I let my imagination go, and where the imagination goes, you, you, you can take it or you can leave it. But they had a fish god. And I mentioned it this morning that Egypt had, had many, many gods, and Moses, God had given Moses the ten plagues, and many of those pla all of those plagues were the gods of Egypt. It may not have been all of their gods, but it was the bigger gods, and God went out there and took every one of them out. Nineveh's got a fish god. And it says that Jonah was vomited up on the, on the shore. Now imagine, this isn't a normal fish. This is one the Lord had prepared. God had, God had thought this fish up. And it said, how did that fish get Jonah to the shore unless he washed up on the shore, got into the shallows? Next thing you know, this, this guy gets out of that fish's mouth, starts walking on the shore, and these people from Nineveh see that fish God that they so worship dead on the shore. Amen. I think it'd be time to put some sackcloth on some animals. I think it's time to start believing God. But Jonah preached out of obligation. He had no love for the people of Nineveh. 
Nineveh was in Syria. They, they, they're awful. If you read the Bible, they were, they were awful people. Nineveh, Nineveh and he had, he had to preach. God told him, go preach. So Jonah runs. Jonah gets caught up by the well. He gets out, and he said, 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And he comes back at the end of the book of Jonah, and he's sitting there, and God prepared him a gourd, and it came over him, and, it, and, it, and he was exceedingly glad over a gourd, but not the people of Nineveh. How sad is that? God took a wind and wiped his old gourd out. So there you go. Take that too. His message would halt God's judgment for a brief time. Read the book of Nahum. That's about 100, 120 years later. Nineveh's wiped off the map because somebody goes and preached, and Nineveh does not want to repent. It, 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 was, a, it was a revival. It was a, Nineveh's a great city. Forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Boom, sackcloth, ashes, kings going out. Everybody repents. It was a revival. hundred years later, no more Nineveh. Let me tell you, a message that Jesus preached led to a complete regeneration. It's a message that's been preached for 2,000 years. It's preached for the whole world. The Bible says, whosoever will, come. Come and drink in, in the book of John. Come and eat. Come and dine. Whosoever will can come freely to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your creed. It doesn't matter your economic status. What matters is if you're a sinner. And every one of us are sinners. And every one of us need a Savior. Every one of us need to be blood-bought, born again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. John 6, 37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Your friends may disown you, your, your classmates may laugh at you. Your, some religions may say you're doing it wrong, but the Bible says if I go to Jesus, he's not going to turn me away. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe in a whosoever gospel. I believe in a whosoever God. He didn't die just for Nineveh. He died for the sins of the whole world. Shed the precious blood of Jesus Christ so we can, have, we can have hope, we can have a home in heaven, we can be blood-bought and born again. He preached out of a heart of compassion. Jesus didn't do it out, out of obligation. God looks down at fallen man. We got Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy. You may bruise my heel, he'll bruise your head. God already had it planned out. Jesus is coming. He already had it planned out when Moses came. Every, somebody said Jesus is on every page, and if you missed him on that page, he's twice on the next one. Every page. You know your Bible is a hymn book? It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's a history book. It's all about his story. The Bible is about Jesus. Who is that Jesus is what they ask. He says, search the scriptures, for in them you have eternal life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm glad that's not the end of the road. Wages of sin is death. That's a bad place to be, right? But the gift of God. God gives us a gift. How do you receive a gift? Do you pay for it? No. Then it, then it becomes something you purchase. Do you trade something for it? No. Then, then it's just a trade. A gift, all you got to do is receive it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin and left a crimson stain. He makes it white as snow. God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm glad we got those verses in the Bible. There's many religions out there, but none of them have a God that loves them and cares for them. Amen.
And you know what? There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know why that's in the Bible? Because there's no other Savior. There's no other one that can save you from your sins. There might be a person that can save you from drowning, but no one can save you from your sins. You've got to be perfect. You've got to be sinless. You've got to be the Son of God. You've got to die like Jesus died, buried like Jesus died, rose again the third day like Jesus rose, sit on the right hand of the Father. That's what you need. You don't need religion. You need a relationship. We don't need a religion. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a message. That, and Jesus looks over, and the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. And he's looking over us now, and he's moved with compassion. He loves us. He cares for us. A greater than Jonah is here. A greater than Jonah. He didn't have to come. I'm nobody special. I'll be the first to tell you. The Bible says he remembers our frame. He knows that we're dust. We're nothing. We're just a creation. But think of creator God dying for his own creation. How wonderful it is to be saved and born again. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are men most miserable. I'll tell you, I enjoy the Christian life. I enjoy Christian people. I enjoy churches. I love getting around the saints of God. I like to hear them pray. I like to hear them preach. I like to see them get out and, uh, and serve. Brother Eric gives good messages at the nursing home. He can sing. Don't let anyone tell you different. He ain't in the choir. Don't, don't go to recruit him. He's on my team. He's on my team. We went to a youth rally in April, and they had all the, all the young men that had come from other places to preach. And they called the youth pastors and those who brought teenagers themselves to go in the back and pray over these young men. And we're in the back praying with them and fixing to pray. And somebody said, Travis came with me and Miss Caitlin. She, he said, how old is that Travis? And, and I told him, boom, they didn't shot out and grabbed Travis to go preach. Travis said, I wasn't planning on preaching. But you know what? Jesus, I told Brother Troy this earlier. Jesus had a time and a place to pray. He never had a time and a place to preach. You find you a place, you got desire in your heart. Find a time and a place to pray, God will give you a time and a place to preach. And Travis did a great job. Great job. Blessed my socks off. And I tell Brother Eric all the time, if God puts something on your heart, God will use you before he'll use me. I'm a nobody in that situation. If God's got a message for you, you let it go. You let it go. Jonah. Jesus was greater than Jonah. And because he is alive, we have a living hope. The, the tomb is empty. Amen. You go look at it, brother. Uh, Pastor Moon's going to be going down to Israel, and you know what he's going to see when he gets there? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Look in that tomb all you want. Start scraping dirt away. You won't find his bones. It says that the stone was rolled away. I think I, I don't think they ever found the stone. I think that angel might have just launched it off into Mars somewhere. They might. The rover might find that thing up there. I'm glad we serve a risen Savior. I'm glad that we don't have some dead religion. I'm glad that he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He's a friend that sticketh closer to a brother. Greater than Solomon is here in his reign, but a greater than Jonah is here in his resurrection. If it was not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we would have no hope today of a future uh, a reign with him. I'm glad that we're saved. I'm glad I'm born again. I'm glad we got a home in heaven. And you know what? Nobody can take that. 
I can't go to hell. I told you that before. I'm saved. I'm born again. I can't go to hell. I've been told to go, but I can't. I, I'll tell them the first manufacturing job I was built for. But I got born again. I got born from above. I can't go. And you wonder while I get excited, while I get in the pulpit and just make a fool of myself, because I love Jesus. He's been good to me. His Bible's true. I mean, COVID came and everybody was reevaluating their life and how they're going to live. But even two years later, I haven't had to go back and rewrite the Bible because of COVID. I haven't had to re- reevaluate my salvation because of COVID, because who's in office, who's coming in office, because of wars overseas, by the wars over here. Bible's still true. Jesus is still alive. He's still on the throne. He's still saving those. He's still pulling those. If you cry unto him, he'll hear you. Second time, third time, like me, a hundred times, I make a mess, but I got a Jesus that can help me. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you once again for being in your house, and thank you for just being here for us and not leaving us. Lord, you've been good to us, been good to this church. I deserve none of this, but you've given me everything, and Lord, I pray as uh, we have an invitation that you search our hearts and realize what you went through just to save us, just to care for us. You love the unlovable. The righteous must die for the unrighteous. The sinless must die for the sinful. You owed a debt. Uh, you, you owed a debt. I owed a debt that I could not pay, and you paid a debt you did not owe, and I thank you for it. And Lord, we just thank you once again. Don't leave us till the service is over. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed.